Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. So in order for us to step into a new year and have new things take place, it starts with new thinking. Because if we can change your thinking, we can change your being. Where you end up, what it is that God wants to do in your life. And so today as we talk about a new year, a new year is only relevant if you have a new attitude, a new thinking, a new commitment, a new focus. And let me just share my heart with you before we get into the word this morning. I want to first of all say to Pastor Anthony, great job last Sunday. Powerful word. Challenged us, moved us. I don't know what what happened last year, but last year was was really a turning point for me personally. uh, In my spiritual development, in my walk with God as a man, as a husband, as a father. Uh, It was really an awakening for me, if you would. Um... Turning 50 did something to me. Because I I realized that if this was a football game, I'm I'm halfway through the third quarter already. I don't have time to waste. I don't have time to play games. I don't have time to go through the motions. I don't have time to take appointments with people that don't want to change. I don't have time to sit down with someone that just wants to share with me their issues but doesn't want to transform. I don't have time to sit with someone that says they want counseling but they don't want direction. Something's happened where I'm beginning to realize that I don't have time to waste, but I do have time to invest. That in the time I have left, I have to make sure I'm investing that time. That I'm investing into good stock. So if I take an appointment with you, you call and you want an appointment at the office. And I take that appointment, it's because I believe in investing in you. Because every moment I meet with someone, I am taking out of the time I have left here on this earth to invest into you. That the moment I stand behind this platform and take time to share a word with you, it's because I'm investing into you. I believe that you are valuable enough to take the word that God's given to me to invest and to plant into your soil, into your ground. Why? Because I truly believe that this panic that I'm feeling, that my own personal mortality is beginning to sink in. I'm beginning to realize that my job here on earth is to equip people to win at life. And I need to make sure that the final days of my life count. I'm not dying tomorrow. It sounds like it has that little little feel. I'm only going to be here a couple weeks, a little more. Uh, God hasn't spoken to me. He's not like Moses. I'm not going to let me cross over into the promised land. I haven't heard any of that. But I understand just based on time, if... If if I'm going to live to, let's say, 80, I only got 30 years left on this earth. I've lived most of my life is what I'm saying. It's time to get busy. I don't know about you, but I want you to understand something. As a pastor, I don't have time to see another marriage fail. 
I can't sit back and watch another marriage fail. I can't sit back and watch another person go into addiction. I can't sit back and watch someone else go into into bankruptcy. I can't just sit back and watch another person die prematurely because of sickness. I don't have time to sit back and watch depression destroy another life. I don't know about you, but I recognize this simple thing that 2016 needs to be the year of trophies. What am I talking about? If you ever go into someone's house that has ever played sports or had any kind of accomplishments in life, they have that that one wall of accomplishment. You walk in my office, you you, you see my diploma from from Bible college. You see my Bachelor of of Science or Arts degree on the wall. You see my reverence certificate. It lets you know. I haven't put the doctorate up yet, but it lets you know where I've come from. I got that one hidden right now. But I want you to understand something that whenever I walk in, it, it just lets you know who you are, lets you know what you've accomplished in life. And I, I want you to know, recognize that the enemy has enough trophies in this world already. The enemy has a trophy room filled with marriages he's destroyed, people he's kept in addiction, marriage or, or finances that he's destroyed, minds that he has in bondage. There are trophies and then some of you right now are sitting on the trophy shelf of, of hell. That's not where God intended you to be. It's not who you're supposed to be. It's time that we start breaking out and becoming who God intended us to be. And what I mean by that is start taking some of the trophies off of Satan's shelf and start putting them into heaven. <laughs> Satan, you're not going to get... You're not going to get glory out of my marriage any longer. You're not going to get glory out of my addiction. You're not going to get glory out of my depression. You're not going to get glory out of my sickness. These things are going to be turned around to become God's trophy room. See, 2016 has to be a season where victors emerge from the victims, where chumps become champions, whiners become winners. I believe it's a time where boys have to now become men. Where little girls grow up and become women. Where our children are released their potential. That time that we begin to recognize the prodigals come home. Promises are unlocked. That we begin to see healings uh, revealed. Where we begin to see miracles happening on a daily basis. Where it's not supernatural any longer. It's just natural. To imagine healings taking place and we get more surprised when healings don't happen than when we then getting surprised when they do. We have to develop a culture where we see God's trophies start being manifested. Come on, somebody. I'm really believing that it's a time where love is going to be manifested, where forgiveness is going to be given. A time where we are going to become the word. Listen to me closely. I believe that 2016 for me is the year that I want to see you become the word of God. Book of John says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means it's possible for the word of God to become tangible. Because Jesus didn't come as God. He, even though he was God, he laid aside those attributes Everything that happened through Christ happened through his dependence on the Holy Spirit. 
So if Jesus did it, those things are available to you as well. He said, greater works than these shall you do because I go into the Father. We're going to talk about this in a moment. But I want you to to, to understand something. I want to take you somewhere this morning. Amen? So I want you to stand to your feet as we get into the word. Luke chapter 15. Everyone say, love God. Say, love me. Not not me, not Pastor Dan. I know you love me, but say, love you. Love God. Love you. It sounds simple, but the reality is this, is that there's some standing in this room right now that don't love themselves. You view yourself through lenses as a damaged person because of the things that you've gone through, the struggles you've battled through. You don't see yourself as being worth being loved. And you need to see yourself as not only lovable, but loved. And I'm going to share with you why this is important today because we can't love a God when we can't even love ourselves. We're incapable of giving love to anyone else when you don't love yourself. That's why Jesus says to love your neighbor as you love your... Because love for yourself is important. It's vital if you don't accept yourself. And that's why the enemy works so hard at destroying our self-image. I'm here to to submit to you. You do not need a self-image. You need a God image. You need to start seeing yourself in the image that God intended you to be. Now, Luke chapter 15, it's known as the lost chapter. Not because he can't find it, it just explains three different things that were lost. And start with me with verse 1, it says this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I'm here to tell you that the world wants to hear the truth. They're hungry for the truth. They want to find something that works. But they want to know that it works. And so there's a mandate on us to make sure that we just don't know the word but that we work the word say it again pastor we gotta not just know the word we gotta work the word well the word of god is alive and working in our lives amen well we're gonna talk about that a bit more he says this this made the pharisees and the teachers of the law complain that he was associating with such sinful people even eating with them can you imagine Jesus hanging out with sinful people. Now, let, let me explain something to you. Look, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Write these scriptures down. This is important. You want to go somewhere new this year, you got to change your associations. you, you got to hang out with those that you, that, that you want to be like. I shared earlier this week in my journal reading where M- Mary finds out that her cousin... Elizabeth is pregnant too. The moment she finds that out, she goes to hang out with her. Why? Because people with the dream want to be around other people with dreams. You want to be in the environment where other individuals are in that environment. And so she goes and finds someone else that has gotten pregnant miraculously to be around that same atmosphere to deliver their giftings. Now now notice what happens. This is Paul talking. Now don't get mad at me. I'm not the one that wrote this. Okay, but if you apply this, this will change your life. Look at verse nine. 
When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 10. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy. Now, look what Paul's doing. He's putting greed in the same place as sexual sin. Oh, Lord, help us. Or cheat people. Now, now Paul really must have made a mistake there. Because in my business, you know, I got to be a little, I got to push in my business. I got to, you know, sometimes stretch the truth a little bit. I'm not cheating them. I'm just literally, I'm, I'm letting them know what they really need. I'm upselling them and so forth. They need this extended warranty. They, they need the... Cheat people is in the same place as greedy and sexual sin or worship idols. That's a pretty broad group of sins there. Now now follow me, okay? Still with me? If I lost you already, we're really in trouble. You've already broken your first resolution to draw close to God. You would have to leave this. now, Now notice this. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. Paul's saying this, listen, I realize you can't, you, you're going to have to hang out with some of those kind of people that are unbelievers. Because you, in order to get away from them, we'd have to leave the world. He's saying this, look, at he, he, he fixes it. He says, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin. Or is greedy, worships idol, or, now he adds a few more, is abusive or drunkard or cheats people. So if you say you're a believer and you have these things going on, there's an issue. Paul tells you, man, don't even eat with these folks. Don't, don't even have a meal because you don't want that crap jumping over on you. You don't want that, those attitudes and those lifestyles. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 15.33 says... That bad company corrupts good character. And so he's saying, it's not the unbeliever. You have to be the light to the unbeliever. It's that person that says, I believe, that does those things you got to stay away from. So when I say check your associations, I'm even talking about those in church. Because some of you are getting a bad view of who God really is by the lifestyle of someone else who claims to be a Christian, but they might not be a believer. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's a difference between being a Christian and being a believer. In 2016, my goal for this church is that we begin to live the word. That the word of God becomes alive in you. That the word of God, that if it's in the word, it's available to me. Come on, listen to me. I want you to understand that if that means there's healing, that the word of God says that there's healing, I want healing to be manifested in my body. If it says that my marriage can be restored, I want my marriage restored. If it says that I'm the head and not the tail, a lender and not a borrower, I want my finances to be blessed as well. Why? Because if it's in the word, I have a right to it. Oh, it's quiet in here. 
We got to understand that we have a right to it. How do we know we have a right to it? Look at John chapter 14. Again, laying foundation here. John 14 says this. I tell you the truth that anyone who believes, everyone says believes. Believe starts with what? With thinking. It starts with your mind, how you think, how you, how you generate your thoughts. And so if I'm going to change my thinking, I have to change what I believe in. And so everything that you produce is based on what you believe in or what you adhere to. And so the word says that everyone that believes in me shall the same works shall they do. Or same works I have done, even greater works shall they do because I go into my Father. Now let me take you to the next verse. First John, or John chapter 1 verse 12. I read this to you earlier. But all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right. Someone say right. So belief gives me the right to be a what? A what? A child of God. So recognize this. Belief is the key that gives me access to the kingdom. How you think determines what you believe in determines whether you have access to the things as a son of God or whether you're locked out on the outside looking in. Because when you are a child of God, someone say child of God, You have certain rights. If you are not a child of God, there's you don't don't if you're someone else's kid, don't come up to me and ask me to pay for your college. Who are you? As a son or a daughter, how many parents are in the house? Say amen. When your kids come up to you and ask you for something, you respond to the need as a parent. Come on, somebody. And whatever the need is, if you have it within your ability and that need is valid, you're going to do whatever you can to help meet that need. Because as a parent, they have certain rights that they could pull on you as a parent for. And you will do those things for your child because they have certain rights as a child of yours based on their last name. And so I'm here to let you know this morning that as a child of God, each and every one of you in this place, you have a certain right to call on God for certain things based on what his word says that God, I have a right to healing. I have a right for freedom of addiction, freedom from depression. I have a right to a healed marriage. You have certain rights if you believe. But it starts with your belief. Because if you don't believe it, it's not yours. Now, belief is important. Being a son, knowing your rights are important. Why? Because when you don't know your rights, you can end up in places you don't belong. And accepting things that you never were meant to accept. Follow me on this. Luke 15. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. This is the lost chapter, okay? We have three things that are lost. A lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son, okay? Lost coin, sheep, and son. But I want you to understand, when the coin was lost, can a coin lose itself? So it was someone else's fault that the coin got lost, right? Someone else's neglect, someone else's, uh, you know, not, not not being careful. As a result of someone else's carelessness, The coin was lost. There's some of you right now living in a situation where you are lost because of the carelessness of someone else. 
Someone didn't care for you. Someone didn't watch over you. Someone neglected you. And as a result, you ended up in a place that was lost. Now, now the sheep, on the other hand, can a sheep get lost on its own? Yeah. But you, sheep don't necessarily have the reasoning that human beings do. They just wander. And wander. The Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. And that's why there's shepherds that are there to keep an eye on the sheep. And so it's the shepherd's responsibility to make sure the sheep are going the right direction. Some of you have ended up lost because you have that wandering spirit. And you didn't have anyone in your life to help lead you in the right direction. You didn't have anyone to help gather you around. And at the end of the day, when the shepherd's bringing everyone in, he counts them. Why do you count them? Because as a shepherd, you're responsible for every single one of those sheep. And when they all get into the pen, he realizes, well, 99%'s not bad. There's 99 sheep here. There's one missing. 99. I did pretty good today. That's not what he does. He puts the 99 away and he goes and looks for the one. Why is that? Because he was responsible for the location of that sheep. And so he went out to look for him. But the third one's the one that that, that blows me away is that the third one, the son. Is the son, can a son get lost on his own? So can a daughter. Because the choices you make as an adult. Now, notice this. When the coin was lost, who went and looked for it? The woman, the owner. The one that lost it didn't look for it, but we don't know who lost it. But the woman was counting, saying, one's gone. And she looked for it, right? When one of the sheep was missing, who went to look for it? The shepherd. Now, when the son gets lost, who goes and looks for him? You look for a coin, you look for a sheep, but you don't look for the sun? Why not? Because the son made a choice to leave on his own. The son was the one that separated himself. The son said, Dad, I'm out of here. Give me what belongs to me. The son made a choice. Now, every day I believe the father prayed, that the father hoped, that the father looked in anticipation for his son's return. But the father never put together a search party to go look for the son. Because the son made a choice to go. The son was lost because of his choice. Some of you are in a position right now because of your choices. Can't blame God. Can't blame your parents. You can't blame your upbringing. You can't blame society. Can't blame the man. You are where you're at because of the choices that you've made. And you're waiting for someone to come and find you and no one's gone to look for you. And so you're ticked off right now. Well, the pastor didn't call me. No one's come looking for me. No one gave me a phone call. No one sent me a letter. Listen, you're the one that made the choice to end up in that situation. You will never get out of the crises in life when you sit back and wait for someone to rescue you. When it was your choices that put you there to begin with. 
The Bible says that, the, that this young man finds himself spending all his money on prodigal living, spending it on prostitutes, on drugs, on high living to the point that he goes from Armani suits to now he has nothing. Wouldn't even recognize the boy if you saw him anymore. The manicured finger, fingernails are now covered in mud and filled with dirt. His toes, the shoes that he used to have, his Jordans are gone now because he had to hawk them and ended up now he's walking around in the mud and he's feeding pigs and he's eating the very things the pigs are. He's sitting in a place where he realizes this is not what I was intended to become. And some of you are in a place right now mentally, you're in a place physically, you're in a place spiritually that God never intended you to live in. And you're sitting there waiting for your father to show up. And yet dad's waiting for you to return. Luke 15, verse 17. I'm going somewhere with this. Stay with me. It says, when he finally came to his senses. Someone say senses. He has an aha moment. You ever had those aha moments? Those moments that you realize, oh, wow, the lights go on. It's that moment you get pulled over for speeding. You're like, I wasn't speeding. He goes, yes, you were. I said, no, I was. I I live in this neighborhood. The speed limit's 45. And he points up at the sign. It says 25. And you realize, aha, I'm wrong. He has that enlightened moment to realize that I've been, what, what I thought was right is wrong. And he has that that, that coming to himself moment, that come to Jesus moment, where he comes to his senses and he says this to himself. Look, at home even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. He's looking. This is what I am. This is what I have a right to. And this is where I'm living. This is what I have a right to. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what God's promised and this is what I'm doing. This is what God wants me to do, and this is where I'm operating at right now. There is a gap between where I should be and where I'm at right now. And whenever you experience that kind of gap, the only way that you can close the gap and make a change is when you come to yourself. No one can save you out of that situation because if the father had come and pulled him out of the pig's pen before he was ready, he would have ended up right back there all over again. Sorry, I just spit at Pastor Matt. Monica saw it. You didn't. It's called anointing, bro. Rub it in. Monica was just making sure it didn't hit her. I saw that look. It was panic. If you loved your husband, you would have thrown yourself in front of him. Oh, Jesus. Verse 18. I will go home to my father and say. What did he say? I will... Go. You can't stay where you're at and expect transformation. Yet some of you are trying to make a change, chilling in the pig's pen. You can't do that. There's certain things you got to get away from, certain environments you need to leave, certain things you got to stop doing. 
And he came to himself and realizes at home there's this, and this is what I'm experiencing. He says, I will go and say to my father, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. This is what religion does to you. Religion says, okay, listen, I blew it, but if you just let me get the crumbs off the table, I'll be satisfied. See, religion will keep you at a point where you're just getting by, where you're just struggling just enough to stay alive. But relationship recognizes that I do not just have a a right to be in the house. I have a right to be a son. Some of you are settling for crumbs when you are called to sit at the table and eat. Notice what happens here. So he returned home to his father. He made a choice to return, return, repent, change directions. There's a repentance going on. But you know what? I want to say something to you that growing up in church and always hearing this message, I've heard this message over and over and over and over and over again. But I've never heard anyone share this in regards to this message. Take a look as to the reason why the prodigal son returns. Take a look at the passage. Is there anything that shows that he returned to his father's house because he loved his father? He returns home not because he loved his father, but because he loved himself. This brother was in self-preservation mode. He's trying to get by. Come on. Let's be real. Let's talk here. He's sitting there in the midst of this pig pen. He realizes that at home, dad has everything. The environment at home, everything's cool. So what he decides to do is go home, not because he loves dad or even he wants to obey dad's rules. He just realizes that at home, there's provision. And he's into self-preservation. Dad, make me a slave. Just let me back in the house. And that's all he's thinking about. And I want you to understand something. I don't care what the motive is that brings you to Jesus. Oh, somebody got to hear me this morning. It doesn't matter what motivated you. It doesn't matter what pulled you up out of the pig pen. The important thing is that if you don't love yourself, you'll stay in the muck, in the mire, in the relationship where you're getting beaten and torn down somewhere along the way. You got to love yourself enough to say, I'm better than what I'm experiencing right now. What's a trip about this? You know, the, 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 the star of this story isn't the son that stayed home, isn't the prodigal that left, but it's this dad. What an amazing father. I'm embarrassed when I think about how good of a father he is compared to how I am. Because when the prodigal comes home, the Bible says that he hasn't even reached the house yet. And he's, dad was looking. Dad didn't know when the boy was coming home. But the dad was looking. He was anticipating, is this the day? Is this the day my son comes home and he was hoping, praying? He didn't go search for him, but he was praying for him. 
He was standing in the gap for him. And as he's looking, all of a sudden, he sees an image far off that it's not dressed in the fine clothing. And he's not going off with the, with the caravan that he left with. But there's something about that boy that's familiar. There's something about that image. And as the boy starts walking, a father knows his son. A parent knows their child. And it doesn't matter how far away he looks and he notices something. And it's to the point that he knows this is my son. And he runs down the street, he's running after this boy. And this boy's practicing his, his statement, Father, uh, I'm not worthy to be your son. I've sinned against you and sinned against heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me a, a servant in your house. Just make me a slave in your He's going through this whole thing until the father comes up to him and hugs him. The boy smells like pig. His hair is matted. He smells nasty. He hasn't taken a shower. And the father hugs him. In his dirty, nasty condition. Oh, come on, somebody. There's some of you right now that are trying so hard to get cleaned up before you return home. You're so concerned about how you look, how it's going to look, what people are going to say. All the father's looking to do, he's waiting for you to come home so he can embrace you. In your dirt, in your filth, in your mire, he's just saying, come the way you are. I'll clean you up. I'll wipe you down. I'll get you where you need to be. Just come home. Now, now I want you to understand what's so cool about this, that as he's saying this, he's trying to start his speech and the father just stops him and tells him bring him a robe bring him a ring and bring him new sandals kisses him on the neck and says my son who was dead is now alive he says kill the fatted calf let's have a party it's going down tonight I'm embarrassed because if I was that father oh don't judge me But I would, I'd run out there. Oh, I'd run out there. Then when I'd get there, I'd be like, so what happened to you? What are you doing here? Where's all the money I gave you? Come on, big shot. Where's it at now? What happened to you? Ooh, dude, you're nasty. So, so what are you doing here? Well, Dad, I've sinned against you, sinned against him. Well, you better believe he sinned against me. You jacked some stuff up, man. And I, I just want to come back and be one of your servants. See, servant, you're going to become one of my servant servants. I'm just being real with you. That's the way my dad would have been with me. Old school. There was no grace from old school. They, they, were, they were hardcore in the way they dealt with things. And I, I, so you're coming, what, what do you want? You want a party? You want me to kill the fatty calf and have a party for you? After everything you put me through, you know how many sleepless nights I had because of you? <laughs> Sean's feeling uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Come on, go. Don't feel guilty, bro. You just missed the last Sunday of the year, bro. It's okay, man. It's okay, bro. You're okay. Hang in there, bro. Hang in there. I got you. I'm saying that and I'm looking at his face. He's getting, I'm sorry. It's okay, bro. Come here. 
Come here. Come here, it's okay. Love you, man. The prodigal comes home, and I want you to recognize this. The father understands he's not back because he loves his father, yet his father lets him stay anyhow. And he treats him like it's because of love he came back. Are you catching this? He came back for the wrong motive. But the father doesn't trip on the motive, his son's home. Are you hearing me? God's not tripping on what the motive is that brought you to him. All God's happy about is that you're there. Because the father understands this. As long as you're in my presence, you're going to be around me enough that you're going to once again appreciate my love. You're going to see my character. And before you know it, you came home because of self-preservation. But you're going to stay because you love me. Vivi, if you'd help me out this morning. Prodigal son teaches me simply this, these three things as we close. Number one, he teaches me this, and if you're going to be successful in 2016, I submit these three simple points to you. That number one, as you as a prodigal, that you know where to turn in your time of need. Prodigal son was smart enough to recognize, I'm in trouble. And he knew where to go to. After he exhausted everything else, he knew where to go to. Second thing he understood was simply this. He was humble enough to admit his mistakes. Some of us are so full of ourselves that it doesn't matter how deep or how bad you are in the the pig pens of life. You just won't admit you made a mistake. Oh, I'm loving life right now. It's great. Me and, me, and, me and my little piggies over here, we're, we're homies, man. These guys are my ride or dies right here. These guys are, we're, we're, we're connected, you know. I'm telling you, there's Porky. I got Porky over here. I got, you know, I, I got, I'm telling you, we, we got Charlotte. And we're, we're hanging out. We're just, things are going good. Just want to admit when you made a mistake. If you want to get anywhere in life, you have to be able to be humble and wise enough to admit when you blew it. Just man up, woman up. I blew it. God knows you blew it already. Your wife knows you blew it already. Just man up and say, my bad. I'm sorry. Third thing is you got to recognize, and what he taught me was this, is that he loved himself enough to make a change. Uh, come on. This, is, this speaks to me. Because some of you don't have value for yourself that you stay in a bad relationship, you stay in a bad environment, you stay in a bad place. But it wasn't until the prodigal son realized that he had love for himself that he got out of that circumstance. And some of you have to realize just not how much God loves you, but you have to come to the point that you love yourself to make a change. That you're better than that. That you deserve more than what you're going through right now. 
That you recognize that I'm valuable, that I'm loved, that I'm not damaged goods, that God has a plan, a purpose. I belong to a family, and my daddy has this, my daddy has that, and I don't have to stay in this situation any longer. But loving yourself requires that you remember two simple things. It requires that you remember who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Not only knowing who I am, but knowing whose I am. Who I belong to. Who I belong to is more important than really who I am. And when you recognize throughout this time, when you start experiencing things, you got to recognize that you have more than a right to the pig pens in life. Some of you think because of the life that you lived before that, you know what, I'm just experiencing the, the sowing or the reaping of the sowing that I did in my past. When you become a Christian, when you walk in and you become a believer in Christ, the Bible says, behold, you are a new creation. All things are passed away and behold, all things become new. So if I accept Christ and I become a new creation, I can't be sowing or reaping seeds that were sown before my new creation because I'm brand new now. That's why, that's why regeneration is so important. That's why accepting Christ is so important. Because when I accept Christ, I have no past. And I don't have to worry about the consequences of yesterday any longer. I start brand new. You're free. You're free. Why do you not have to stay in the pig pens of life? Very simply. Because the Father loved him. Father loves you. This morning, there's no better gift that I could give you on this New Year's than to tell you, you are loved. But you can't receive love until you recognize your love for yourself. I'm going to ask you just where you are for a moment to bow your heads. You're loved. You are loved. You're lovable. And you are too valuable to waste your life in the pig pens of life. You're loved. You're lovable. And I want you right where you are to recognize you are not damaged goods regardless of what you've gone through. That you're not fighting for love, you are fighting from love. That each and every one of you has already been accepted. God's done everything that's required for you to be received by him. All you have to do is believe, become a son. A daughter. And through that belief, it opens up access to his kingdom to you. It gives you a right to everything that his word says as a child of God. 
Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here first of all. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.